Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the People Processes podcast, where we dive deep into the tools, laws, and yes, processes that you need to know in order to scale and grow your organization. We help organizations all across the United States streamline, optimize, implement, and revolutionize their HR operations. We've helped hundreds of companies and thousands of HR leaders across the world get their people processes right. Today, we're speaking with Chris Plackey. Chris has poured her life's work into learning about, understanding, and then guiding leaders through the tricky path of learning how to lead a team. In a space where there's a lot of noise and advice, Chris has designed the how-to of team leadership through her Lead Your Team roadmap, and we're super excited to have her. Before we dive in, though, I want to ask you to please subscribe to our podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any podcaster of your choice. You can also subscribe at peopleprocesses.com, where you will get exclusive subscriber-only content like our current telework checklist for uh, going home-based for your employees. Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. I'm, uh, I'm super excited to talk with you because a lot of business owners right now are going through some difficult times, and I want to hear about how your leadership strategy works. But first... But first, not many little girls and boys dress up uh, as HR and uh, leadership experts when they're when they're when they're going to Halloween, right? We're not right. exactly firefighters here. How on earth did you wind up after twenty five years in this sort of profession? In this space, well, yeah, it's funny you should say that. I think people who might have known me when I was eight might have said I. <laughs> Oh yeah, you're gonna you're I gonna be a leader, acted like a leader, a little bit of a boss. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, let's see. So it was a very natural process. I started my career right out of college um, <laughs> with a recreation degree. So you might imagine that that didn't lead me to a lot of. I uh, got. Uh, I got. What options. is a re- wait? Wait. 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 What <laughs> is a recreation degree? I don't want to um, draw. I don't want to take too long on your story, but you got to tell me what that okay. is. Okay. Well, it was. You know. Yes, there was one class where we learned how to do face painting. I'm not going to lie. That actually did uh, happen, but. Mostly, it was quite interesting. We learned all about the importance of healthy leisure and Mm -hmm. encouraging lifestyles of activity and recreation. So a lot of people who do study recreation go into the parks and recreation field. They become out as park rangers, um, you know, community park district leaders, that kind of thing. I actually was interested in tourism and travel. And so I had every intention of staying in that space until I did do about a year and a half stint and realized I hated it. So, um, <laughs> well, as, as we have with many college. Yeah. Students, yeah. Uh, I needed yeah. to kind of stumble my way through that. So, you know, but I did complete it and I had this funny little minor in law because I wanted to um, be a lawyer first. And then I decided I didn't love that either. So, um, Yeah, I think when you when you were, you know, sort of riffing there about, you know, little boys and girls don't act like whatever this is for Halloween, I never knew what I wanted to be. I never Mm. had a clear career path. And so I just got a job um, when I graduated um, as a recruiter for a private startup online school program. Nice. And um I was good at it. I was good at sales. I was good at consulting, um, which I later realized was coaching. And um, 
This was in the early 90s when I discovered uh, a, a side class. So I started, I realized there was were classes on being a coach, being a professional coach. And this was honestly like 1994, Rami. So mm. give you perspective a long time ago. So I went to this class and I was immediately like, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do. So what happened then for the next many years is I followed the trajectory of leadership. So I was a frontline recruiter for a couple of years. Then I got promoted to manager for about four years. Then I got into training for several years. Mm -hmm. And then I got into senior leadership and I was leading, you know, upwards of 200, 250 people. And I, um, all the while was continuing my learning and studies of coaching. And for those who, who've kind of followed the profession, that's sort of been the trajectory as well. We started seeing more and more interest and support and resources and learning for people who wanted to be coaches in all sorts of different types of fields. So mm-hmm. my last job job in the organization I worked for was actually creating a internal a internal performance coaching team and i hired i did something very different when i created that team unlike most traditional learning and development organizations i hired all high performing operations leaders to be my coaches mm. on my team and so then we ran a development program and on-site performance coaching program for about 4,000 leaders in this organization that I worked for. So that was my last gig um, in a business. And then that company was, I was still in higher education. Um, That was about eight years ago. That's when that just the floor fell out of that industry. And so everybody got laid off. And so that's when I started my business. And I already had such a running start because I'd been coaching leaders for years um, on how to manage, how to make decisions, how to coach, how to get out of their own way when they have their own thoughts about their team that are affecting their ability to manage them. Um, And I haven't looked back. I absolutely love what I do and what I'm able to help other people do. Well, that sounds like an awesome journey. And now you, here you are, you're, you're consulting with great companies. Mm -hmm. You're teaching them uh, about leadership and I want to learn more about that. But Before we do that, our listeners are entrepreneurs. Some of them Mm -hmm. are HR administrators. Some of them are one-man shops dreaming of their first employee. And some of our listeners have five or 6,000 employees they're managing. Right. The thing that universally they all learn from (laughs) is not our good stuff. It's when we screw up. For sure. So what I'd love for you to do is take us to the moment in this last eight years of you running your company or even in your corporate life that was your worst entrepreneurial management leadership screw up and really tell us that story and, and how that happened. And, and we'll talk about what we learned from it later, but for now, I just want you to take us to that real bad time. Well, I think honestly, you know, I have a few crucible moments is what I call them. I'm a huge Bill George fan who wrote the book True North. If, if anyone's read it, it's a good, it's an incredible book for leaders, but, um, I have one that always is kind of that moment where I was like, oh, (laughs) 
this isn't how you do that. Yeah. And it was honestly when I was a new manager. Um, I had someone on my team. Uh, I was very young. I was 26. And most of the people on my team were my contemporaries um, or a little younger than I. And I had one team member in particular who was very affected with herself. And now, Rami, I live in California, so... Affectation, yes. Um, she talked a lot like this, and her face was really dramatic, and she just... If you... If she wasn't happy, everybody knew it with her body language and her face, and right? Like, it was just so toxic and exhausting as from a management mm. perspective. I found her tedious to manage. And we'll call her Rhonda for, for you know, anonymity's sake. And so- I always call day, my guy Chad. There I, we go. And I, got, I got in a lot of trouble at some point because I wound up with a longtime listener who reached <laughs> out to say, hey, we really want to work with you. And um, I, 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 was, I was meeting with him and he said, you know, my name- my name's Chad, by the way. And every episode you mention me. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, so we'll go with Rhonda now. And we'll hope that you don't have a Rhonda well, as a client next week. For me, yeah, in the past for me, it's been Lucy. And I actually used that name in my book that I wrote for managers. Yep. And I had somebody who emailed me. And she's like, um. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here's Rhonda. There's Rhonda, dramatic uh, Valley Girl Rhonda. Very dramatic. And one day after a meeting, we had a Monday meetings, I, it, I'd had it. Like she just sat in the meeting and huffed and eye rolled and crossed her arms and threw her pen and just, I'd had it. And so I went into her office and closed the door. And that's about as good as it got. <laughs> because after that, I looked at her and I said, what is up with your attitude, Rhonda? And I'll never forget it. She stood up. She looked at me and cocked her head. You know how people do. And mm -hmm. she crossed her arms and very slowly raised her pointer finger and said, I don't have an attitude. You have an attitude. And that was when I realized you don't argue with team members mm. ever because you never win. <laughs> it's right. not. Then that's, you know, one of the tenets of my work is that performance is not an opinion. But all that was for me that in that moment was opinion. And you can't, there is no substance to this argument when it's based on my opinion of you, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so that was a powerful moment for me where I, I had to learn how to speak to my employees about observable behaviors and evidence and not my opinion about their behavior. Because what I've come to know is the majority of issues when it relates to employee performance are behaviors. It's not right. usually skill. Every now and then it is, right? But mostly it's this stuff. It's people are late or they miss their deadlines or they're kind of snarky or they gossip or they. So that was it for me. It was, it was very painful. It was mortifying. I was so embarrassed. Um, I couldn't back out of it. Anyway. Was terrible. 
I think that's a, a great lesson to learn. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 you know, HR 101, incident right. reporting and documentation. It's about sure. a behavior, right? Yep. Here's what I want to know, Chris. So you're telling me, and, and I love that story. And, and by the way, everyone who's, who's in this and, and going, I did that. We've all done that, right? <laughs> uh, in, 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 the, in, in years of doing this, at some point you've said, I don't like the way you look, right? The way yeah. you look at that person. I don't, you know, yeah. what do you, it what do, are you doesn't, wearing? What's what happening? Do you, yeah, come on. Yeah. But I got it. Here's what I know. You've been doing this 25 years. You're talking about 90s. Yes. Your worst moment was yelling at a single employee. <laughs> it was in so years. You are either a God thing or you have not told us the worst <laughs> moment for you. What was the hardest part? Oh you started a company. Well, I mean, You're telling I've me had, in eight I years you never almost broke down. No, I'll go. You can, I'll go through the list. I had to lay off 25 employees and um, rehire them. Oh, but I could only rehire, I think we, I think it was like 18 and I was doing it with a colleague. So we laid them all off the day before and then told them if they wanted to reapply, we would meet them all the next day. And they got set up for, you know, half hour interviews. And I woke up that morning and I was sick to my stomach, but I thought, no, I'm fine. And I went and then this woman came in and pleaded to keep her job because her husband had it was on dialysis and she didn't mm-hmm. have a car and had to take the bus and we knew we weren't going to hire her mm-hmm. and i proceeded to get wretchedly ill and couldn't do any of the rest of the interviews i completely my whole body shut down and i couldn't show up for the job and so oh. my colleague had to do it she had to make all the decisions, which I, you know, was like mortifying to me, but I couldn't be there. I was literally retching. I couldn't sit there and listen to people beg for their job. That, that and, is a, uh, and it was, you know, the thing is for me that it's been a struggle I've had always. That's why I'm so inclined. I feel like to do this work is I'm, I am incredibly sensitive, which I think is a tough cocktail when you're in a leadership role. And I've had to work on learning how to remain me um, and not be too passive or give in too easily, but also not shut it all off, right? Because it is a superpower when I use it well. But it's been hard. It was very hard on me um, when I first started, you know, the last, the first 10 years of my job as, as, I, as I kept getting more and more responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, I, would, I would really have to work hard to muster through very difficult decisions, which I'm sure is what led me to, you know, focusing on writing books about how to deal with difficult people and how to deal with difficult circumstances. Like I ended up specializing in it, but it wasn't because I was great at it at first. It was because I was terrible at it. And I know the pain and shame, right. Of knowing you've got to step up and you can't, you can't do it. I am. you know, early on in our company, we've been in business coming up on 11 years. And I think about four years in, at some point we had a sales staff of almost 15 people and Mm. we, we went down to three Mm. and that I remember that, that week and how that went. And, and and I, it's just, that is truly, it's just so it's, it's one of the hardest parts of leadership. And, and, and that now that that's a real story. (laughs) 
Oh, you like that one? Yeah, I do. I'll well, tell you about my first year that I made a lot of money as an entrepreneur and I didn't pay my taxes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's for a finance podcast. And I tell you what, I, I have, uh, those yeah. are bad days too. And, and We've we, all made those mistakes. Yeah. But for sure, yeah. for me, it's been on that human, human to human, human level, level is when, um, when it's just the most palpable for me, but of course the biggest learning. So now when clients call me and they tell me, I have to lay off 27 people today, which has been happening this week. We're in the first right. week of this virus here in the States, right? Yeah. Um, man, I get it. I'm all in with you, but it doesn't change the decision. It has to be made. So in your leadership training, I mean, obviously you focus on a lot and we, I want to talk about some of the processes that you have and that, that maybe our listeners on a very simple level could hear mm-hmm. the concept of and, and maybe adopt for themselves a little bit. Mm-hmm. But before we do, maybe if someone right now, this podcast is going to come out in April, um, there is a coronavirus thing. You know, I've, We've had of our clients uh, almost 800 layoffs mm-hmm. um, that we've had to manage on the process level. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they're sitting there and, and uh, as a business owner and going, I got to I got to, you know, I, we, we don't have the money coming in and, or mm-hmm. I can't afford to pay this mandated sick leave or whatever it is that's right. going on. How, what would your advice be to them on how to get through that or, or how to evaluate the decision? What could you in five or six minutes, maybe give them a little uh, ideas on? Well, I actually have been all week. I, I also, I did two open coaching calls last weekend and had several hundred people come. And then this week I've opened up tons of coaching hours to all of my current clients. And so I've been talking with mostly women all week um, mm. about these very things. And so I've, I'm actually putting together something for my clients about this very question. And to me, I've come up there. There's really four areas you've got to focus on. Um, the first one is your own mind management. You, as leaders going through this moment in time, we have all our own concerns personally about ourselves and our families and our communities. Our kids are at home. Like there's so much going on. Um, so having a place to go to work through your own thinking is critical because your brain is where all of this is going to come from. And we need your mind clean, just like you're washing your hands. (laughs) You need to wash your brain. (laughs) We got to flush out all of the things that are going on in it. The second thing is everyone needs at least a 90 day plan. Now, the problem is when we build a 90 day plan, it makes us look at the stuff we don't want to look at. And for a lot of people right now, that's scary to look at 90 days from now. And, and I ask them to do, you know, a, you know, a worst case scenario. You, we've right. got to look at it. And then I'm here as your coach. I'm going to help you think through it. You were going to work on your brain because your brain's going to have a tantrum and it's not going to want to think about 90 days of no revenue, but we have to. We have to get really, really honest about what the circumstances are. And because w- what I'm watching a lot of people doing is they're anticipating what could happen, but they're not planning for it. And exactly. then what happens is if you don't have a plan, right, you take action in reaction mode instead of in something you've already thought through, worked through, you already had the brain tantrum. Now you can take action, you can execute. So 
a 90 day plan has to happen that looks at finances, look, looks at team, and it looks at your life, you, especially for small business owners, right? I realize the larger businesses have a lot of other factors, but sure. if this is you and, you know, 15 employees, you got to think about it all. Um, then there's the team. What are we going to do with them? How do we want this to play out? You know, I spend a lot of time with when in normal circumstances, we look at values and we look at expectations. That's where the way that we pay people comes from. How we decide to pay people is born out of our value system. So all my clients need to gut check that part of who they are. What is the right decision for you and your company? Not based on what everybody else is doing or the government is telling you to do. What works for you all? And that's the plan that has to get into place. And I've been so impressed with some of my clients. They've been so creative with how to make this work right now. So, um, and then lastly, I'm just calling it focus. And what that means to me is you have to watch where you spend your time. A lot of people, at least initially, have been eating news, social Mm -hmm. media, um, and it's not good. It's not healthy. Um, Everybody manages to find out what they need to find out without consuming copious amounts of terrifying information all day. Right. So you, because what we want your brain doing is creating, but your brain can't create if it's scared and your brain can't create if it doesn't have a plan. And I've watched this all week. As soon as a client gets their plan in place, they start brainstorming new ideas. And what I know you and I both know, Rami, is some amazing stuff is going to come out of this. Exactly. Ideas like that we never would have thought of. So there will be that that will happen, but we have to watch what we focus on every day. And we have to do what we can to get into creating versus focusing on the problems all the time. I, um, I, interviewed John Lee Dumas. He runs a podcast called yeah. Unifier. One of was, what got me into podcasting. I, I um, started listening years ago and he, uh, he has focus. His acronym for it is follow yeah. one course until success. Yeah. And I always, I think about that. It's like, I, I don't, I'm not one of those people who has like post-it notes and, and like cute script uh, yeah. on the wall. But um, if I ever did, that would be the one follow one course until success. But yeah, so to recap that. It's so helpful right now with there's yeah. so much going on. Like if you could just get that one thing that you give your brain to work on and figure out and solve and play with, it's, it's so good for you. It is. And, and there's, you know, so, so when you kind of went through your steps, you said, Hey, first wash your brain. Yes. So that means I'm uh, so, so in that you're talking about get a, get get away from everything, sit down. Yeah, clear like your I mind. what do we mean by that? Model, right? Which is to really understand that there we have circumstances that are happening all day, but our brain is defining those. Right. And how your mind defines them will trigger how you feel. And so a lot of us just have very unsupervised thinking and we believe that what we think is true. But it's not. It's mm-hmm. just our thoughts. Now, if you're, if, it, right. yeah, if you're consuming copious amounts of news, you're believing what that what those people's thoughts are. Right. We have to get I, to yours. Yeah. Uh, I got into this business in 2009. Uh, December 2009 is when the Affordable Care Act was passed. Mm-hmm. And 
in the next two to three years, most of those provisions went into place. And for many companies in the insurance world, that was a uh, disruption on par with this, believe it or not. It was wow. a cut of revenue in the yeah. realm of, of, of up to 60%. Wow. And that, and, and I mean, companies in, in, in our world folded left, right, and center. And I'd been in business six months, right? Um, and at first when that happened, I was pretty upset. And after the first couple you know, months into it, we were constantly trying to learn more and more and more and try to figure something out. And like, do we, you know, we're only a year into this. Is it time to, and I don't remember what triggered it, but at some point it transformed from a terrible thing mm. to an opportunity. Interesting. And I truly believe, even as 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 awful as as this uh, virus is and its effect on the economy and and people's health, of course, and families, mm-hmm. the businesses that figure out how to turn, who can the business owners, the the leaders who go, all right, this is awful. What is the opportunity here? How do I change this? How do I reposition ourselves to make this an opportunity? Uh, are going to be the ones that come out of this just on fire with success mm-hmm. um, because tons of companies are not going to, they're going to, they're going to do exactly as you described. Yeah. They're going to panic. They're going to consume a, a pile of news and they're going to give up. They're going to keep mm-hmm. doing what they did three months ago and think it's going to work three months from now. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, it, this is an opportunity and it yeah. can be an opportunity for every business. I don't care if you're a restaurant, if you're a haircutting salon, yeah. if you're a consulting service, a CPA firm, a law firm, there is an opportunity here for every one of them. Uh, yeah. I don't know what it is for all of you, but but there is one. Well, uh, if you if you cuz there's always somebody in your industry who's who's spearheading it. And I'll, I'll tell you one of the ones that's been really fun to watch because I just happen to attract a lot of healthcare professionals. I have doctors and dentists mm-hmm. and my husband's a physical therapist, so I actually have several physical therapy uh, clinic owners. Telemedicine is gonna—it's all—it's gonna be totally different. Like this is changing that landscape because, first of all, everybody needs to still make money, right. and all of these. My husband is a physical therapist. They're figuring out how to care for people and not touch them, right? And. and- once we go there, it's not going to come back. It's not going to come back, right? And that's the thing with all of these industries. Right? Law, same thing. Yeah. I don't want to go sit in your freaking waiting room for forty-five minutes. No, I never Let's, have. <laughs> right. It's like there's and every industry. This this yeah. I was talking with my staff about it. You know, we we have we invested heavily over the years in telework and uh, secure call centers separately and just all kinds of different stuff. And there was always a, tab- a t- taboo to a degree of when you're meeting with someone who's discussing direct finances, like, why are you sitting in your home? And, oh, my God, hey, there's a dog over there. Like, that taboo is dying immediately. Oh, for sure. And yeah. in in three months of this, it's going to be like, well, I, I you know, I'm, we're, I have no problem meeting my attorney while he's sitting on his back deck. Exactly. It's a heck of a lot more convenient. And we get to, you know. We can both sit there and drink the preferred drink. I don't have to drink your crap coffee. I can drink mine, right? So there is an opportunity here. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad you said that because that's that really is so important. But if your brain 
is the sky is falling. Everything's awful. And here's the thing right now. It might be, it might be like things you decisions you never wanted to have to make conversations you never wanted to have to have. But if you hold on to it's awful, you can't create. And we need you. We need leaders right now more than any other time, at least in my existence, right? Like we need people to step up and be willing to stand out and try something and, and yeah, get the, uh, the double edge, right? Like the, what the heck is she doing? And the, whoa, what the heck is she doing? Right? Like that's what has to happen right now. And this, uh, you, it's so fascinating to watch who steps up and who's willing you, uh, we're, we're so optimistic. You and I both are obviously uh, HR people. It's like, it's all going to be fine. Everything's great. But eventually it will. It right? will be. It, and, and it will be. And, and yeah. But let's, let's dial it back and let's give some practical advice here. Yeah. You are an expert at making these hard decisions. How does someone who is, who is just right now evaluating got to lay off 100 people or five people or their first employee? Mm-hmm. How do they fire them and mm-hmm. and 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 live right? Mm-hmm. How do you fire that person? Well, or- you know, it, it's an interesting way time to to have to do it. it it's almost like um, at least this has been what my clients are telling me because I would say half of my clients have already had to lay off people. Um, right. But everybody understands. So. Um, it's a strong point. It's a lot harder. To, in a way, it's harder to fire someone because they uh, consistently underperform than it is to be yeah. like, look, we don't have any clients. Like, what do you want from me? Yeah, uh, That's an interesting point. And they get it. You know, I've had people tell their, their boss, I'll just work for you anyway. You don't have to pay me, but I want to help you. We're, we're going to, I because, you know, I do believe most people have the sense that this has an end to it versus the recession in 2008 when we knew what the hell was going to happen. Right. So I think we're, but, but to answer your question, hold on Uh, HR insert, people can't work for you for free. Hashtag compliance. Just throwing it out there. But I understand what you're saying. And that is outstanding. Do something different. But yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Don't follow mine on that one. Sentiment, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Exactly. That we can band together. Yeah. Yeah, that could change. People could start to get more lower on the Maslow's hierarchy here and start to freak out. So what what I have uh, advised people and what I'm watching them do is they're finding out on behalf of their employees, what the right solution is for the employee. And so in the case of several of my clients, the right answer was actually to lay them off because then they qualify for assistance. And as they, so they set up the conversations that way, here's how this is going to go, right? I'm going to fire you. I'm processing your employee history records. Everything's ready. You can file. And this is eventually, once everything's cranking, I will want to invite you back. So this is, but they're, but they're doing, the, the employers are doing some of that research on behalf of the employee so that the conversation has um, direction versus I can't pay you anymore. You have to leave kind of thing. Um, Now, everybody handles that a little differently. I appreciate there's laws in different states. You know, again, I'll defer to your expertise. But 
when we tell people that we have to lay them off right now, I think it's incredibly important that we honor who they are as a human. We tell them how important they are. We tell them this has nothing to do with performance if it doesn't. I have actually also advised some some clients, if you have people who are not performing, this is the opportunity to make some decisions too. So, um, you know, sorry about that. In a time when everything is in flux, you have to always come back to what is right for the business. And that is a gut check when we love our people, but, um, we can, we can loop back to them. I'm very confident that that's all going to work out for people. It's, it's right now, what's the right thing for the business? And then what are the services provided in your world, wherever you are, that help your employees as best as possible? And it does seem like the government is stepping up to help here in a way. Right. This is being recorded on March 20th. On March 18th, a major law was passed called the Families First Coronavirus Relief Act. Uh, we, of course, provided a lot of information about that. I need more information myself. I read about I've, it yesterday, so I'll have to poke around on your site and see what you I'll, I'll forward you our uh, uh, info and recorded webinar if you'd like. Thank you. Uh, also today, uh, March 20th, a new law was proposed called the, the, the CARE Act. Um, which by the time this episode airs will be in force if you are reviewing it. It's a, it's currently a hugely, uh, mm. it's a very large bill, uh, includes things like loans of up to one quarter or one third of your year's operating expenses, mm. uh, at no interest, mm-hmm. uh, all kinds of different things that can be done. Um, mm-hmm. loan forgiveness programs, uh, uh, payroll tax holiday, lots of different pieces to this bill that are being reviewed. It is not yet passed as of this recording, but uh, if you're listening to this and you have you do not know the details of either the CARE Act or the Families First Coronavirus Release Relief Act, which will go into effect on April 5th, April 4th, um, both of those laws are very important and relevant to this, including things like requiring paid sick leave. Uh, a tax credit that allows you to provide up to 10 weeks of two-thirds pay to your employees. All kinds of different things are going on there. So feel free to reach out to us at peopleprocesses.com. We have a chat window in the bottom right. You can also uh, email us directly. We do have information about all of those and can can assist you with designing the processes around applying for those. but those are, I, didn't, I don't mean to plug, but that's, no, if you're, I, 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 need it. everybody yeah. needs to know that I read the bill yesterday and, you know, certainly also realized that there's a, for, a, an exemption process that you can go through, right. As well, if you can't afford the. Correct. If you have fewer than 25 employees, yeah. um, there's a go, well, there's two uh, under 50, there's a going concern exemption. So if, if, if this would put you out of business, don't do it. And that's always a good thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Under 25, there are additional exemptions for job restoration. Mm-hmm. If you have fewer than 25 and you need to, um, you know, put people on long-term leave, these sorts of things, you don't necessarily have to rehire them. Uh, whereas mm-hmm. there, on, on the other ones, there there is a requirement to do that. It's, it's Family Medical Leave Act requirements. Yeah. Okay. Restoration. But yeah, I, that's. I'm sorry. I want to interview you about leadership, <laughs> but but no, these are these are important topics. Yeah. Absolutely. So I, you know, in a gist to respond to that, it's just, you know, use your humanness in the conversation, but do what's best for the business and do, I think if you can do some research as a business owner, 
ahead of time so that you can help educate your employees that you are releasing, it helps everybody feel like this is um, a mutual collective effort versus just getting left in the cold, you know, the, the part-time well, employees are, are, I think a little bit at this point, that's the rougher crowd for folks. Right. Right. Well, uh, we've found the biggest pain um, in the small to medium size is, is part-time is painful, but they, they understand unemployment yeah. they can hop on there and, and it's a pretty quick turnaround. Yeah. Um, the biggest issue is those with medical insurance. That's what yeah. we find the largest resistance to, right? Yeah. Um, sure. Cobra is unaffordable for most employees, especially after they lose their job. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, if you're someone who needs to terminate someone here on March 20th, most of the time their insurance is going to end at the end of March. Mm-hmm. They are not allowed. There are no other individual insurance available until April uh, 15th. So, so there's 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 some gaps there that are quite uh, distressing. So for those, we've we've developed furlough programs where basically extend benefits offerings while terminating. Lovely. Yeah. But those are very, that's the, that's to me the, the, the piece that I don't have an answer for. You mentioned that employee who's, who you had to terminate all those years ago, mm. whose husband's on dialysis. It's just like, yeah, hell, I don't know what to do, <laughs> you know? So that's the, the hardest piece for me to figure out. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no right answers. I think, you know, that's one of the things I'm saying to on every call I've been leading is we all keep waiting. I think in a lot of ways, someone's going to like the adults will show up and tell us what to do. And um, there's no right answers. We have to, we have to really use our own compass here. Right. And you got to, if you can't stay in business, you can't help at all. So there's, there's that. I will mention also on that coronavirus relief act, the tax credit that, that I mentioned does cover employer portion of health insurance. If you can keep them on, I'm just going to segue this. If you can keep people on, provide the sick leave, the government's basically going to pay you back for the employee, mm. the employer insurance cost along with all those wages. Uh, you just have to be able to float for four months. Mm-hmm. And that's where the CARE Act is coming in, the one that was proposed today that should be ratified in the next week or so, uh, probably before this episode airs, to provide a long-term loan to cover that time period at no interest. So they are stepping in, they're stepping up, but right now there's a lot of uncertainty. Yes, for sure. So to circle back to your leadership experience, Chris, I want, I want people to be able to take out a piece of paper. We've talked, you know, we've talked a lot, a lot of good stuff, but I want them to have a takeaway Mm. in one of the things that I read as part of your lead your team roadmap. Mm -hmm. There are five steps that every entrepreneur should follow if they want to lead their team. Well, as they're coming through this and they're, they're turning this into an opportunity. They're getting through it. You, you said there were five steps that every person could take that would really help them lead their team. Could we go through those real quick so that they could start rocking them? Yeah. And I think, you know, it's interesting because um, I'm happy to talk about them. And I think uh, we ha- I want to make them relevant to where people are right now in their circumstance. So Maybe we can flesh that out together. That but. is true. Although I will say, you know, one thing about these podcasts, and I know Chris, you run a podcast too, which we'll make sure to drop in the link in the description. Yeah. Um, it blows me away. I mean, I have I have people listening to podcasts from 2018. You know, yes, you gotta. Yeah. So, so something about content needs to make sure that it's always useful. Not every, not we won't be in a pandemic virus outbreak no. all the time. Hopefully, <laughs> this is my plan. <laughs> I hope the world complies. I'm with yes. you on that one. Yeah. <laughs> I would like 100% compliance with that request. Please. That would be lovely. Please. Thank you. 
Random um, side note before we go into that, I will say I was speaking with, uh, we have a lot of healthcare practitioners and we were talking, is this virus just, is it, is it going to kill millions and so on? You know, is it, is, how bad is this thing really? Mm-hmm. And um, he said it is as bad as it is. I'm not giving any advice on that right now. Or I, I, I'm, I'm not doing that on this podcast, but he made a really interesting point was it's not near as bad as it could be. Mm. He said in a lot of ways, this is the best wake up call. Speaking of what's the opportunity on this, mm. where it, you know, it's going to be terrible. There's a lot of bad things that are going to happen yet. It's not near as bad as, as some potential outbreaks that we've stopped um, and some outbreaks that we haven't. Mm. Um, and this is probably the best dry run that any um, pandemic expert could ask for. Okay. Well, that's, because I love that. that in 10 years, it, we could have a real virus, an influenza type virus with Ebola-like symptoms with a oh. 50% death rate. Wow. And if that happens, we need to have, we need to know what can we do? What are our responses? We need to have already realized, oh shit, you know what? We need masks. You know, stuff yeah, that is obvious right it. now wasn't yeah. obvious six months ago. And in yeah. another year, we're going to have learned so much that it's going to be such an opportunity to protect us in the future. So I, <laughs> I've, I've taken some some uh, solace in that, that this is a really bad fire drill. I think we should all have, somebody should go into business of creating pandemic home kits. <laughs> You know, I, I, they have, I guarantee it. <laughs> so whoever's interested, make that. That'd be good. Here we go. I'm sorry, but Chris, the five steps, the five yeah, things okay, you need so to do. Here's how I like to think about this. So um, I'm a Disneyland fan. Um, Romy. My, my wife did her MBA thesis on Disneyland. Oh, um, okay. like that is the cool, that is you, anyone who wants to run a business, study Disneyland. Exactly. Right. And so my map is, is, is imagine you have to imagine a Disneyland map. Now I know that may not resonate for everyone, but it should though. It should. Not they should feel bad. No, just... what we see when we look at that map is we see lands, right? We see areas on the map where you can go do different things. And that's mm-hmm. how I think about this because, um, I use the word roadmap because everybody knows what that is, but <laughs> to me in my brain, it looks like that be- because no matter where you are as a business, you can always go and do each one of them. So I never want a leader to think, oh, well, I didn't do that part. So now I'm behind. Like, no, no, no. But that's part of what we want to do. So we're going to work on that part, right? So And getting through all of Disneyland takes a little while. It does take a while. And sometimes we like one part better than the other. So we ignore the other part. And so that's okay. But we really do need all of them to have the full experience. And that's what I believe is true for people who lead. And so at a high level, those five key areas are your team, your time, you as a founder and your money. Did I say four or five right then? And then your business. And so I'll give you some examples of what those are. Now I will send you if you want, it's like a little checklist, Rami, that you can make available or we can. Absolutely. We'll put it on the, we'll put it on the people processes website as a downloadable after uh, if you guys log in on there, you should be, even if you don't log in, be able to download it. So it's just a little doogie widgets that you can cross off and, and just say, Oh yeah, I've done that. Oh yeah, I've done that. So for example, like under team hiring, do you have a process for deciding who to hire, what role they play and how you will pay them? 
Do you have job descriptions for every single person in your business? Do you have job postings for every position? Do you have a process for how you trial people if you do that? Do you have an onboarding process? Do you have a coaching process for how you develop people in your business? Do you have a management process for how you set goals and you address performance gaps and you produce and you do corrective action and you conduct meetings? And do you have a firing process? So those are the things that sit, for example, under team. Under founder, we look at things like your point of view, the rules you have for people, your expectations, your personal brand, the patterns in your decision making. Are you a people pleaser? That's a specific issue I like to work on with people. Um, Your decision making strategies. And do you practice constraint as a visionary, which is a huge issue, issue for visionaries? Too many ideas making the team crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, money. What do you think about money? Do you have processes for money? Do you track revenue? Do you do forward tracking? Do you have forecasting or only looking at it backwards, which is what I find most people do. Mm-hmm. If I asked you today how much money you've generated as of this moment, do you know? Do you pay yourself, <laughs> entrepreneur? Um, how do you pay people? How do you design bonus structures? I don't teach people how, like, I always refer people to experts like you, honestly, Rami, when it comes to the dyna- the nitty gritty of a bonus plan, as an example. Right. Well, like but, your team, those those steps you went through is our People Processes Academy to design, implement, and set each one of those pieces. Perfect. Yeah. That's, that's all of that, yeah. And I okay. help people think about the philosophy they want to have that will support all of it. Right. Absolutely. And, so, and that's something we always run into. It's like, we're here to give you the structure and to yeah. uh, put in the systems. But if you don't know what you think about people, like I, I that's not me. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a, right. I'm not a coach. I'm here to, I'm an okay. automator. I'm a systems guy. It's in the name processes. Yeah. So that's a great uh, synergy. We may we'll definitely talk more about that. I love that. Yeah. It's so fun. And then the last, two, uh, well, then we have time, which is, you know, honestly, how do you manage um, yourself mm-hmm. and your team um, within the constraints of time? Do you budget time? Do you have priorities? Are you good with your boundaries? Um, do you have oversight over the team and how they manage their days? Are you paying for time? Or are you paying for results? This is a big one for me. Um, I teach something called Monday Hour One, which is a practice that was developed by Brooke Castillo at the Life Coach School. It's an incredible structure for how you manage your week. And then the last area on the map is business. So we look at, do you have KPIs? Do you have policies and procedures? Do you have a business model? And if so, what are your revenue streams? Do you have values and vision and a company manifesto and org chart? human capital planning. I'm sure you're hearing all of this, right? So what, what happens in my practice is someone comes to me who runs a made, you know, a housekeeping service and has 30 employees and makes $2 million a year and they have none of this, right? And I'm no right. the story. Okay. And what happens first is their brain doesn't want to do any of it. And so I have to get them really high up in the tree and get really clear about what are you building here? What are you creating? We're going to create all of this from that vantage point, not from just one thing. Day, we day in, day out. What do I do today? Yeah. Do that. Yeah. We need to get clear about the big, about the big picture. And then it's one thing to have a performance management process, but do you know how to have that conversation? 
Mm-hmm. Do you know how to deal with the employee who drives you nuts and you ignore them all the time? <laughs> right? Like whatever. The, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Rondas of the world. The Rondas. No, of the, world. the Rondas. We love you, Rondas. And Chad, we like you too. We like the Chads too. Yeah. So um yeah, so that's the 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 map, as it were, because when when if I'm gonna help someone do is similar, right? Scale and be the woman who grows a business from here to there. We have to change the way she thinks about all of these things. And a lot of entrepreneurs, you might run into this. They think this is very corporate and they don't <laughs> want to be corporate. No, this is the, this is the soul. Right? It's so good. It's yeah. the place that you, I call it the business brain. And then once it's done, I don't have to re-figure stuff out all the time. It's so nice. Like, oh, I already made that decision. What was it again? I love that. Look it up. Yeah. So recap that five main focus areas, your team, your time, you as a founder, your money and your business yes. and great uh, checklist pieces to kind of review each one of those. Uh, the development of these is not an overnight thing, but no. every step you take is an outsized return. It's look, you got to keep your clients. You can't stop changing tires or whatever it is you do. Mm. But I tell you what, it, it, if you can't make the time to do these things, you're not going to make it. This is yeah. the this well, is get, the stuff that moves the needle. Exactly, it gets to a point where the the bolts start to fly off the the wheels. If we're going to use that analogy, and mm-hmm. that's where people usually, I usually run into folks. They start working with me at about that two to three million dollar mark in their revenue because that's when they've scaled enough to have a couple employees and the frustration of not getting the work done the way they want and people not delivering the way they want it to and want them to. And they, you know, they can't read my mind and it just is easier for me to do it myself. And <laughs> all that cadence of experience is when people quit because you have to learn how to manage. You have to learn how to lead. These p- things I talk about are just the structures you built underneath you. Right. Your leadership voice and your presence and your decision-making is what gets you through it and helps you grow a business that can function without you there. And you can take a vacation once again. <laughs> Chris, outstanding. I'm sure many of our listeners are very interested in this. You mentioned two to three million in revenue. Um, if someone's listening right now and they're thinking, I don't know, this sounds really interesting. Should I reach out to Chris? Mm-hmm. What would be the, the the tipping point that says, all right, you're a definite fit for me and I think we can really make a difference here. What's the the mentality or the space they're in? That, that... Well, I, I work with women who are at least at seven figures. I have a program called the Founders Lab and it's... Um... So if you're at, if you're at that point and you're starting to kind of not love your business anymore, mm. <laughs> and maybe the people who are in it, um, then I would love to talk with you. And the truth is, I've since I started working in this space, you know, there are so many people who need help that I've actually brought on a coach, Michelle Aran, and she also coaches women, but she works with women who are under a million because there are some businesses that are at five hundred thousand, four hundred thousand that have two or three employees mm-hmm. and they're also cutting their teeth on how do I, how do I do a performance review? Like, I don't even know how to talk to these people. Should I be meeting with them? You know, it's very, mm-hmm. that contractor moving con- from contractor to employee is a very different relationship. Definitely. So um, yeah, I mean, I'd love to talk with people. We do all of our, we meet with everybody one-on-one for a consultation. I do not run a huge, you know, membership thing where you don't meet people. This is a very <laughs> personal, um, intimate coaching 
um, community that I have. And so um, if you- And what would, be the, what would be the best way for them to reach out to you? Um, really the easiest way is just to go to chrisplackey.com. Link down below. Mm-hmm. All over the website, we have where to go to schedule a consultation. Um, there's, uh, you can find my podcast there. Um, and once you're in the community, you know, I share with you things that I'm up to. And we just put together a very short four-week intensive if, for people trying to negotiate this very um, unexpected circumstance. So once we're kind of connected, then you, you'll you know about other things that I put out there for the world to awesome. use and, and leverage as well. That's outstanding. Chris, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, you've been an outstanding guest and I look forward to hearing from you. Let me just recap one thing though. You said that that first consultation, you're, that's, there's no charge for that to kind of meet no, with you. No, it's a 20 minute consultation and it's uh, either with Michelle or I, depending on where you are with your business. Right. And we just like to get to know you and talk about you and what you're looking for and what we do and make sure that we're suited for each other. And sometimes, sometimes we're not, but usually people know what they need and they, they're ready. <laughs> Around 70% of our audience is women. Uh, that's part of being in the HR world, but also yeah. um, um, we actually also have a very high percentage of nonprofits in our organization. Do you work Lovely. with, do you work with yeah. nonprofits as well? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We have quite a awesome. few. And I also do work with the boys. I'll just say okay, that. Okay. So guys too, you're not, you're not, you're not cutting them off. Yeah, I do. Okay. I do a lot of one-on-one coaching. Um, it's a different agreement, but it, it's, we cover very similar space. Um, and I always am working with a handful of high level one-on-one clients as well. So, awesome. and yes, the boys are invited. I do get every now and then I get an email like, yeah, I need help too. I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, I get you. I'm like, yeah. all right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in today to the people processes podcast. My name is Rami Ali Jill. I'm the CEO of people processes and I very much appreciate you listening. I hope you learned something. Uh, reach out to Chris on her website, link down below. Uh, if you found something useful here, please reach out to us on our Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. Any follow-up questions, feel free to send to us as well. We'll make sure Chris hears about them. Now it's time for you to go out there, have a great day, and get your work done.